Hello, everybody. Welcome to Therapy Dog Talk. My name is Jerry. My pup's names are Sunny and Riley. And each week we talk with different therapy dog teams and researchers around the world about the impact they're making in their area. If you are just getting started and not sure where to get started, we have a free guide for you that you can find at freeguide.therapydogtalk.com. And we also have a community you can join at community.therapydogtalk.com. I'm really looking forward to meeting today's guest. They are a speech-language pathology animal-assisted therapy team. Brand new, just had their first visit yesterday, but been on this journey for quite some time. So really excited to hear about their experiences and about their plan. Hi. <laughs> How oh, are you? I am really good. How are you all today? I'm doing well. Thank you. Well, well, Tamara, for those who don't know you and Ginger, would you like to introduce yourselves? Sure. So my name is Tamara and my therapy dog, my newly certified therapy dog, Ginger, and she's over there with her aunt Willow and Uncle Patrick. I have three dogs, but Ginger is my certified therapy dog. I am actually her grandmother. Ginger is almost two. She'll be two in May and she's a red golden doodle. I've had her since she was eight weeks old. We live in Hampton Road. Okay. okay. Very cool. I think you might be our first Virginia team on here. <laughs> we'll have to get more. Yes, definitely. Definitely our first speech language pathologist, if I'm not mistaken on that. So <laughs> I don't sure. think there are a lot of us. <laughs> I think I know others, but not those who are working with dogs as partners. So that's definitely something that sets you apart. Sure. How did you first find out about animal-assisted therapy and the opportunity to partner with a dog for your work? Well, probably about 10 years ago, when I was working in a rehabilitation hospital, there was a therapy dog who actually was a part of the rehabilitation hospital. and speech therapy, physical therapy, occupational therapy, we had full access to the therapy dog there. And there were a couple of times that I did attempt to utilize the therapy dog and I wasn't, you know, really, I love dogs. I love dogs. We've had lots and lots of dogs my entire life. However, I had not actually utilized a therapy dog and certainly had never done animal assisted therapy. So I was really working my way through it. And even then, with me not even really knowing exactly what I was doing, I really saw a lot of benefits of therapy dog being in there with that population. It was an adult population. We had a lot of neuro patients, maybe a stroke or brain injury or what have you. And I saw a lot of benefit there. So, fast forward, I, my daughter at the time, probably about Three years ago, I was in law school and I wanted an emotional support dog for her. So I had another golden doodle and I wanted to train her before I released her to my daughter and then COVID hit. And so I released her because I work in a hospital and, you know, COVID times in the beginning were, were a little rough. 
So, but unfortunately, a year after that, we found out she had a neurological disease and she did pass away. So after that, I was a little bit more intentional about saying, yes, I absolutely want to train this dog not only to be an emotional support animal, but also looking back on my experience with the emotional, the, I'm sorry, the therapy, they're doing animal assisted therapy in the rehabilitation hospital. I really decided to set out and, and try and do my very best. If it worked, it worked. If it didn't, it didn't. But thankfully, it did. Okay, awesome. So is Ginger your daughter's dog then? Supposedly. Yeah, she is my daughter's dog. She's my daughter's dog. That's why I'm friendly. But we have spent the last year and a half with lots and lots of training. And she spent a lot of time here. And she just became certified about a month or so ago. So now we are going to start the process. We're probably, we'll probably have joint custody. <laughs> I love that. There's actually another person we talked to. Her therapy dog actually stays with her mom. They have a joint custody because he gets a lot of separation anxiety. This is Helium Buddy, if anyone wants to check out the episode. But her mom's dog, her name is Ellie. They call her his emotional support Ellie because they can hang out together when her mom does have to go into work. But her mom can work from home and she can't. Okay. I love it. Yeah. Very cool. So when you got Ginger then, you were really being intentional about finding a dog who would be a good candidate as a therapy partner. Absolutely. What kind of things are you looking for in that process? Well, not really knowing exactly what I was doing. I've done a lot of research and looked at what qualities a therapy dog should have. And I actually used the Volhard Puppy Aptitude Test. And we actually did that via FaceTime. So I couldn't actually do all of the items on the test, but I did a lot of the items on the test. And there were just two puppies that I had to choose from. And so I had the reader to actually do some of the things on FaceTime with me, you know, holding the puppy up and see how much they struggle and that kind of thing, see if they'd follow a ball, some of the things on the test. But the thing that really sold me on Ginger was there's one part of the test where you walk away and then you see a puppy follows you. So the breeder walked away. She walked up the stairs and Ginger followed her. She'd never been upstairs before. So it showed a little bit of confidence for her. And she followed right behind the breeder where the other puppy just went into the bushes and didn't hate it. <laughs> breeder at all. And so it's really interesting because even to this day, Ginger follows me. I don't ever have to think about her going far at all. She definitely likes close to me, specifically and to people. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, my dogs, if getting them to not follow me, that's the truth. Exactly. And the only time she demonstrates any separation anxiety is when we're together, like in class or somewhere, and I walk away. Okay. But other than that, she's pretty good. She loves you. Yeah. <laughs> it looks from your account that you have a lot of fun training together, too. We try. There were definitely times I found we had to take the therapy dog class. I don't even know. I lost school. Maybe four times. I don't know. We failed and failed and failed and failed. And I found myself getting more and more anxious when class day came and I was feeling really stressed out and I was putting a lot of pressure on Ginger. We would go to class and she knows all the commands. She was kind of the star in the class in that way. However, she did everything on 
full speed. She just could not slow down. Even when she would come, she had to turn around in three circles or she sat. I always say she had the spirit of Tigger in her because she also liked to jump a lot. And, you know, that's something that's frowned upon in theory dog class. So once I decided that I was going to stop putting the pressure on her and on myself and really follow through with some other things at home. And when we got to class, we were going to make it fun. And once I really started doing that, that's when I really started to see her have more fun. And she really calmed down a lot after that. I realized a lot of the times when she was turning around in circles and jumping, I was of course, my fault, as they say, when you're going through training. It's never the dog's fault. It's always the trainer. So I was giving her mixed messages. But once we really got that together, I really saw a big change. Yeah, it's not uncommon, too, for doodles to take a little longer to be ready just because they have all of that little energy. <laughs> Put two dogs with a lot of energy together and they have a lot of energy. Exactly. A lot of that. And they just kept saying throughout the class, She's a doodle, mom. Don't worry. She's a doodle. And I say, I don't like that. I know, I know. Especially when I feel like when you're interested in animals to sit therapy, you're like, we got to go. Like, I found out about this. I wouldn't work with you. Come on. I've been waiting, like, my whole life. <laughs> that is it. Exactly. And they're like, hold up. Like, I was just born. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And they said around two, usually, and they've been saying this for over a year. That usually it takes doodles about a year to really settle down and kind of calm down a little bit. As yeah. she's approaching two, I really see a big difference. They were right. The behavior trainers know what they're doing. They know what they're talking about. Yeah, two years old is when their personality and temperament are really pretty established as well. So that's mm-hmm. when you know who you really have working with going forward. Absolutely. Like, yeah. I remember seeing, I think it was a story, maybe it was a real one day where you were like dancing with her while training. <laughs> it's just like, you just look like you're having fun and I love it. That's right. Was that when we were in Home Depot? I think so. I was trying to create a distraction for her. She did great because usually, again, if I start to move away from her, she's getting up to follow me. And so that was one thing we needed to work on. So I just, we just kept the dancing going. I love it. <laughs> I love it so much. That's great. Did anything surprise you along that training journey? There were so many things that surprised me along the training journey. One thing was looking at, again, from the very beginning, that Bullhard aptitude test. Some of the things that we looked at on that test are some of the characteristics that she definitely continues to display to this day. Again, the wanting to be near me, wanting to be near people. She definitely is a able dog. Another thing that really surprised me was specificity of being a therapy dog, along with the wide range of personalities that dogs have mm-hmm. and how important it is to match the personality with the setting. For Ginger, being as active as she is, and I worked in the hospital, and I wanted to start off with her training in the hospital since that was somewhere that was familiar to me, but I was really nervous about her activity level. Something else that has really surprised me is how she knows she's going to work. 
when I put her therapy dog bandana or if she has a specific work leash that I put on her when she's going to work and she immediately calms down. I mean, she can be in the house running around playing with my other two and, you know, having an endless game of fetch. But as soon as that leash goes on her and I put her therapy dog bandana on, she knows immediately it's time to go to work. I really didn't know that dogs had the ability to display such different behaviors in different settings. Yeah. That was yeah. a surprise to me as well. She's a smart group. <laughs> Thank you. I think all dogs are in their own way. <laughs> she, must, she must take after you. Well, look, that was very sweet of you to say. <laughs> she teaches me a lot. Trust me. Yeah, I learn a lot from her. I imagine, I imagine, but I know the route to speech language pathology is not easy either. Therefore, she takes after you. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you for saying it. I love it. I've been a speech language pathologist for 29 years. Okay. Uh, and, and now that Ginger is my certified therapy dog, I do want to kind of normalize using therapy dogs in speech language therapy. The research has shown so many benefits mm-hmm. of utilizing therapy dogs. So most therapy dogs, from what I have seen, and I believe you probably had experiences as well, it's more for the social emotional aspect of benefits of what they bring to a session. And they certainly do that as well. I think that's kind of where it starts when we're looking at speech and language therapy, but how we can use that to increase the calming behavior and to increase the confidence of students so that we can start to work on some of their speech and language goals where we can work on articulation by perhaps giving the dog some command or helping while the dog is there and actually talking to the dog. It increases some initiation with greetings. They are a lot more apt sometimes, depending on the child, of course, to talk to the dog. It's a lot more comfortable to do that than actually interact with adults, depending on the student, of course. Especially in a medical setting, too. I feel like dogs just kind of make it more of a comfortable situation in general in a medical setting. Sure. I was talking with Steph, who's a teacher in Missouri, a few weeks ago, and she gave an example of a student she was working with. I don't know if you tuned in for this episode, but there was a student who was choosing not to talk. And so they started with the hand signals for the dog, and then they were able to work up to the verbal cues. Mm-hmm. I, just, I did watch that episode. I thought that was really interesting because she was also talking about what was required. I think they were the first in her school. Yes. Yeah. In her district, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that. Definitely that's an advantage. And Ginger knows gestures as well. I think there's just so many things that we can bring into the speech session. Yeah. At work at Riverside, we aren't working in the speech therapy department right now, but when I did take her, I took her yesterday. We had our first session and my goal was to just take her around and give her a tour of the hospital. I did it specifically on a Sunday where there'd be fewer people. I wanted her to hear the sights and sounds and see the people. As I was walking down the hall, that really actually surprised. So many people walked up to her and asked if they could hug her or pet her. And then this one, I was like, oh, no, we're not ready. Just take it. But she was so into it. And it was just such a rewarding experience on her very first time. And I just felt so blessed to be able to do that. Aw, she was ready. (laughs) She was ready. (laughs) 
Uh, but that's all you needed to know. You just needed to know she was ready and then you're ready. So. It's true. So true. She was leading that one. She absolutely did. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> that's awesome. So it went well then your first visit. It went very well. There were a couple of, you know, little sticky situations. I call it sticky because when we were on the unit, there were people who came out of their rooms and said, oh, can the therapy dog come see my mom? And again, I wasn't prepared for that. I just wanted to give her a tour and come back home. I wasn't prepared to go in the room. And so when I went into the room, there was a family member who said, mom can't see her. Let her get on the bed. And I'm like, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> you know, it took me so long to get Ginger to the point where she is not jumping. Yeah. And now I'm going to look her on the bed her very first day. We can't start that. So, <laughs> I was like, so anyway, I did allow her to put her paws on the bed because mm-hmm. the really wanted to see her. And in the end, she said she really made her cry. But this morning when I went back, I did get some clarification on the rules regarding <laughs> dog putting their feet on the bed. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what the rules are at your hospital. I'd be interested in hearing, but I know... Generally speaking, you're supposed to put up some sort of approved barrier, whether it's a blanket or whatever. You're exactly right. You have a lot to learn. And that's exactly what they said. Yeah, yeah. I don't know that from personal experience, but it's in the pet partners handler. That's where I learned. Oh, okay. Yeah. We didn't talk about that. Well, one of the reasons we didn't talk about it is because Ginger is kind of a medium dog. Yeah. And so they didn't talk at all about her taking her paws off the floor at all. So that was unexpected. <laughs> but now I know. Now yeah. I know. There's a video I was watching with another handler team. Sorry, everything reminds me of something. Yes. And they were working with an individual in an assisted living facility that couldn't quite reach over to pet the dog or... No, they could reach over to pet the dog in their wheelchair, but the dog had arthritis, so it just wasn't really a good fit. And so what they ended up doing was having the person sit in a recliner and then having the dog sit in a chair next to them. And that way they could reach them really well. They were on their level without them needing to stand. So that's another possibility, depending on your hospital rules. But that would make me feel much more comfortable. Yeah. That would make me feel much more comfortable. And that was something that during our training with different dogs, just using the different strategies and building on the dog's strengths. So some dogs actually, they train them to laugh or get in a chair. And some of it also had to do with the hand and their strengths and maybe their limitations as well. So they definitely taught us a little bit how to be flexible. So I really appreciate that. I think that would be a good option. I would prefer that actually. Yeah, yeah, that was actually in Dr. Colleen Dell was on a few episodes ago, quite a few at this point, actually. But she puts together through the University of Saskatchewan a free training for any therapy dog handler who wants to take it called Being an Informed Therapy Dog Handler. Okay. Several other things. It's really good training. That's what I would like to do in the future for speech language pathologists to have a training specifically for animal assisted therapy and speech therapy. So I think that would definitely be beneficial for me to watch. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I would connect with AAAIP if you haven't already too and and see who they're already connected in that field, if anyone, and let them know you're interested in doing that training and see if there's a way to work together. Okay. 
Interesting. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. You said triple AIP? Yeah, it's the Association of Animal Intervention Professionals. Oh, okay. Thank you. So what was your therapy dog training like? Who was that through? And did you think it was a good fit for y'all? Did you enjoy it? I did. I really enjoyed it. I've had dogs all my life. And I had a dog maybe 20 years ago that I took to training at a little place called On Command. We trained inside of the doctor's office. And when we would walk around, we would actually walk around the desk where the secretaries would sit. And so fast forward 20 years later, On Command is still in existence with the same trainer that we had back then. And now she has this really large facility. So I definitely considered her first. But then at the hospital, when I would see a therapy dog, I would ask them, oh. where did you do your training? 90% of them said, one well, come And I said, well, if it isn't broken, I'll fix it. Yeah. So that's not a whip. I tried a couple of others. I didn't like, I wasn't as comfortable. I felt like the owner, Betty Henderson, really just knows her stuff and really had a good handle on it. And she was able to correct things very quickly and able to give me strategy to help Ginger really, really quickly. And she was telling me, you know, all along, relax, stop. You know? <laughs> it took me a while to actually follow her instructions. But she was just so absolutely patient. And she said, she'll get it. She's going to get it. She's going to work. She's going to be wonderful. We just need to give her some time. And that's through the American Society of Canine Trainers. Okay. That she works. We only have a couple of places here in my area that actually do training for therapy dog. And so that. Okay, very cool. Do you plan to volunteer with her as well or just to implement her in your work? Not just you, but I'm not sure right now. The reason I say that is because some of the things, again, Ginger's still, I think, young. Right now, going to the hospital, we are in the pet house program Mm -hmm. and the hospital. And I think the attention for her is perfect as far as getting in and getting out. Some of the things that they do, they definitely go to schools, they go to library programs. And I think some of those things require a little bit longer of an attention span. I would definitely in the future volunteer with her, but I think we need to build Ginger up to that time. I haven't really worked on you know, a full 30-minute session, yeah, which is sometimes what it requires. So I think she'll get there. But again, I don't think she's there yet. Yeah, yeah. It's important that you recognize her limits and that you work within them. I love that you're advocating for her like that. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I want her to be stressed and I don't want myself to be stressed. Okay. Right. right. And if she's stressed, you'll be stressed. And if you're stressed, she'll be stressed. Exactly. So. Exactly. <laughs> And I yeah. want it to work for everyone involved. Yeah, definitely. What are you looking forward to about partnering with her in animal-assisted therapy? I'm really, really looking forward to developing this. I want to develop a curriculum for speech therapy, animal-assisted therapy. And I'm really excited about doing that with Ginger as my first partner, I think. The two of us having gone through this for the first time, I think that, you know, it's going to be great and it'd be wonderful. Down the line, I'm going back to school, actually, starting this June. I'm going to learn some things I've never written curriculum before, but I think that that's something that I would have really liked 
10 years ago when I had access to the therapy dog and I really tried and kind of fumbled through it. I want something where people are going to have something very concrete, at least to start with. I'm really looking forward to kind of breaking down some barriers regarding diversity in the animal-assisted therapy world. When I go out and I look at partnerships between the handler and the therapy dog, wherever I go, there's certainly a lack of diversity regarding at least African-Americans in the therapy dog world. And I want to break down some of the barriers. I want to increase that because when we are looking at serving our population, when we're looking at students who are speech and language impaired, we want to be representative of them. And so I think increasing the representation in that area is very important. I look forward to doing that with Ginger. I look forward to the education that we can provide not only to the students, but to our community. I really look forward to doing some more community education. I really look forward to not just looking at it through providing the animal-assisted therapy for speech therapy, but also some community education and increasing the knowledge and increasing the positive interactions. And I think that the access to that, specifically access to animal-assisted therapy and underrepresented communities is left. I definitely increase that. And I'm really awesome. And it sounds like you really have some research goals in mind too, with your curriculum and with your plans for speech pathology with her. And so having that diversity in your research will be really important as well, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm really excited because I think where I'm going to school, they really embrace diversity and they really want to increase the diversity. As far as speech language pathologists, eight percent speech language pathologists are African American. And you know, we seek to increase that. And we really want to again provide the access, provide the information. We want to increase the representation in the field. And so when you look at that, three percent of speech pathologists in the acute care setting are African American. And the school where I'm going really wants to embrace that and look at, and they celebrate diversity. So I think I'm going to really enjoy it. That's really awesome. Um, I look forward to hearing how that goes for you and to seeing what you develop. I think it's going to be really exciting. Thank you. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. And Ginger will be a great partner for you, I'm sure, in that work. Yeah, I hope so. She's my little dog. My children, you know, are grown and they've launched. So now it's Ginger. Yeah, well, it's always about the grandkids, isn't it? Oh, I like if I had thought it was going to be this fun, I would have done it a long time ago. <laughs> I love it. I love okay. it. Well, Tamara, is there anything else that you wanted to share while you're here? Well, let me see. I think that's a very good question. I'm, again, a speech-language pathologist, and so I'm a little chatty. So I'm sorry if I take it up too much time, but don't um, apologize. I do want to say thank you. For what you're doing on Therapy Dog Talk, I have not watched all of the episodes, but I have watched quite a few episodes. And I feel like every time I watch an episode, there's something that I can take with me. And I appreciate that. And even now, you've given me a little gym to kind of look into after this episode. So I appreciate what you're doing. I appreciate you highlighting the field. And I want to ensure that we just continue to do that. We continue to keep the conversation going and we just continue to bring positivity to this very small niche and just kind of increase it. Yeah. Thank you so much for those kind words. I appreciate it. Thank you. 
Great. Well, Tamara, thank you so much. If people want to follow your journey with Ginger, they can find you at Lady Justice underscore the doodle. Is that right? Okay. I guarantee you, if you follow Tamara, you won't be bored. I'll yeah, put great. together some fun content all the time on your journey. So I look forward to seeing more. And just today, I think you shared that reel with your first visit yesterday. Yes. So that's a good thing to check out. Absolutely. Yes. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Take care. Thank you. Have a good day. You too. Bye. Bye. Bye.